When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's try that again. <laughs> hey, Akil. I have a question in relation to reviewing your trading year. Obviously, we review and we can use our backtesting stats as guidelines. For example, drawdowns, worst years, best years, etc. But does our edge in the future have to obey these stats? For example, the last 10 years, let's say test last 10 years of testing, our worst year was a 16% return. But Let's say we ended up getting a year that ended in a, only an 8% return. Does this mean that there's something wrong with our system now? Or how far away from our stats are we allowed to let it go? And at what point would we get worried? As we know, the market will do what it wants and doesn't have to follow our past statistics. There we go. So here's the thing. And, and uh, the, I think the last, um, the last sentence sums it up really good we never know what to we never know what the future is going to give us right we and we talked about this at the, the traders uh the navigator summit um with mike belfiore and, and doc, dr brett steenbarger did a, a great kind of chat about this where it's like ask yourself this question could anybody have seen 2020 coming in general, not just the markets, but in general, right? We, we, we know that recessions come. We are well overdue for a recession. I was about five years late in my prediction of when the next recession would come. <laughs> right? We could, we, we, there's no way we could see it coming. Is there any way we could predict what our trading performance would be during times like this? And the answer is no. And this is, op uh, not, not opportunities, well, opportunities, yes, there, there are a massive amount of opportunities, I wouldn't say opportunities, but um, circumstances like this are really, they, they, they kind of give power and, and fuel to the idea that I think that, you know, we always talk about trading being an art and a science. Um, if you think of the art part as kind of like discretionary trading, your ability to analyze price movement charts and, and, and whatnot, do kind of like the hands-on stuff. The science would be more of a mechanical thing of you, you know, it's, we just talked to a trader in the chat earlier today about a trader who's developing systems to help with back testing and edges and stuff like that, right? Doing something mechanical. Um, it is certainly both, right? It, it is numbers, it is edges, it is probability. It's also a feel for the game, right? And, and going back to a, a sports reference, because that's how I get down, right? 
it was the same thing like if you look at all of your best pro athletes, right? There, there are athletes that are mechanically correct, right? They are in the gym. They are sound. They can shoot the right way. They can dribble the right way, all of that fun stuff. But they can't actually do it during a game because they don't have a, a feel, right? And it, it, it takes both. You have to do things mechanically correct. You also have to have a feel for the game. And when we say feel for a game, that's, that's like the ability to adapt, that is the ability to understand the underlying conditions of the market. Even, I mean, even from a, a broader aspect, uh, a business, but um, understand the underlying feel of the market and be able to make adjustments. And we talk a lot about this um, all the time where I'm saying that as traders, you need to evolve, you need to, you should never settle, you should always continue to develop. And whether that is, again, improving the way you just in general read the markets, whether that's having multiple ways to attack the markets, right? We should always be looking to improve. And you can look at, again, 2020 is a perfect example because you look at the businesses that failed and the businesses that succeeded, right? What The businesses that succeeded, what were they able to do during 2020? They were able to adapt. They said, oh, crap. I was thinking about this earlier, right? I was thinking about, um, I just saw a post this morning about gyms and it was a guy with a beard holding up a sign that says like, we've been shut down 80 times. They blocked us off. We get fined 15K and all that stuff. And like, my gym is still full. I don't care. No, no mask. We don't care about wearing masks, following rules. We're gonna do what we want. Freedom, America, all that fun stuff, right? And I just started thinking about the business aspect. I'm like, well, if I owned a gym, how would I handle this situation? Right. What 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 type of protocols would I take in place? And then I'm, I'm and I don't know how gyms are operating out there, but I, I would have an online sign up. Right. I, I would find out what are my limitations? How many can I hold in the gym at once? And I would do something that most gyms don't do or not all gyms do. Right. I would have a scheduling. I would have a sign up on my website. Hey, we can hold 30 at a time. Schedule your you need to schedule your spot in advance. You have a certain time limit of when you can be in there. You have a check-in and a check-out. If you don't show up, if you're more than 15 minutes late, you lose your spot. I'd have all that stuff to adapt and then show people that, hey, like, look, we can, we can operate safely, right? There's no more than 30 people in here. I don't know what the numbers are, but there's no more than 30 people in here. We have contact tracing because you know exactly through the sign-up sheet, you know exactly who was in at what point. So if someone were to break out, you can see kind of, you can go back and warn other people, Right? It's not ideal for a gym, right? It's not ideal for, I'm, I'm thinking about myself. Like, I wouldn't want to sign up for a spot. Like I kind of just want to drive up and go when I go. But it's the adaptation that we have to make in order to make it work. And you see other businesses doing this too. I, I saw the other day, I was out playing with my kids and, and some of his friends in the park. And there was a, there was a, a tent set up, right? It was, it was a, a, a wine tasting or not a wine tasting, they were selling it because you can't taste it out, outside. But it was a, a local place that just, they, they just bought a new building, right? Like in the beginning of the COVID. So like it was a wine tasting spot and obviously they can't do that. Um, so they, they put up some tents outside and they, they set up shop in the park, right? We had food trucks, right? We, we, we had, we had um, businesses that started buying food trucks and started driving around the neighborhoods and doing one neighborhood at a time where they would schedule a time. Hey, this Friday night, we're going to be in your neighborhood. We're going to bring the food truck out, tell your neighbors to come out. And, and they did a little outdoor service. Right. And, and like, I love, I love seeing this. Like I love seeing people think outside the box. And, and the one thing that's positive and 
Darren and I and, and Jason Grayson, especially because, you know, he's business genius. We've talked about all of the positive aspects of COVID where it's forcing businesses to adapt where they were before set in this comfort zone. It's forcing people to adapt instead of being their comfort zone. It's, 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 it's kind of the, the slap in the face like, hey, you got to do something different. And all of a sudden, the, the, usually when you do something different, right, there's the risk versus reward, right? The, the, the risk is that you're, you'll fail, right? You're, you're, going into the, you're going into space and you're floating around and you'll never come back, right? All that fun stuff. Um, that's the risk. The, re, the, the, the reward is great as well. But the comfort zone is a lot easier to deal with because you're comfortable, right? Well, all of a sudden, guess what happened to this comfort zone during 2020 to a lot of people? That comfort zone wasn't as comfortable, was it? That comfort zone was not as comfortable. So all of a sudden, right, taking the quote unquote, the risk of jumping out the comfort zone, right? It wasn't as scary as it was before because you look back at like, what am I leaving? And you're like, eh. <laughs> right? You're like, ah, well, you know, what I'm leaving now is bad. What I'm trying to do, it could be bad, but like, if it fails, it's not bad either, right? I did the same thing when I when I started my trading journey, right? I, I was fortunate, and I, I don't. I was talking to Chris about this actually, um, and Chris was talking about how hard it is to focus on trading, find time while working, and, and, and having a family, right? I, I honestly speaking, I don't know if I'd be a if I'd be a consistently profitable trader if I started once I had a family. I, I see the massive amount of time that it, that it takes to investing in my family and making sure we keep those relationships healthy and the amount of time like again like 12 hour days of trading like there, there's not enough time in a day i don't know if i would have made it i was i was fortunate enough where i started right out of college i had no job anyway well i had three like odd jobs no like career so it, i had jobs where if like i can always get them back like no like i can always go back and clean toilets right no one's going to be like hey uh we don't want you cleaning toilets i can always go back and do that that wasn't a problem there's not a big there's not a, a, a big supply of, of janitors out there willing to clean preschools every day. I, I can tell you that, right? So I can always go back on that. But when I first started, one of the cool things that I talked to my dad about this, and he was like, well, why not? He's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? You fail? And I was like, yeah, dad, I fail. He's like, well, wh where are you going to be if you fail? And I thought about it. I'm like, well, I'm probably going to be in the same place I was <laughs> anyway. So it was easier for me to make that jump because I, I wasn't really leaving a lot. There, there wasn't a lot at, at stake. And this is the same way. So 2020 has been an interesting year and we've had to adapt as traders. We've had to adapt as investors and we never know what's going to happen. We never know when it's going to happen again. Now, as far as judging our performance, we'd like to be as close as possible to our back testing results, right? We talked about kind of the buffer zone of, you know, you're you know your best years, you know your worst years, you know your kind of best win percentages, your, your worst win percentages. We want to be on, if, if you think of them as like Bollinger Bands, right? We want to be within that area, right? Obviously, we prefer to be near the top Bollinger Band at our, our higher ROI, um, but we also don't want to be below our lowest ROI. We want to be someplace in the middle, that, that sweet zone, and that's how we know that we're doing well. But if we have a year where we don't perform as good, it doesn't necessarily mean that we need to wave a red flag. And again, the two things that we always want to do, is we, we want to discover what is the reason for why my performance was lower. 
First, and what, what what do you think is the first thing to check on? What's the the obvious answer of, of why our performance could be lower? Kind of talked about earlier in the last session. Yeah, trading psychology. Are we making mistakes, right? If we are making mistakes, then obviously that's what we need to fix, right? That is what is 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 hurting our performance. And you could even go back and look at it and say, okay, what is my performance with mistakes? What would my performance have been without mistakes? And we're always going to have mistakes. I'm talking like a consistent, consistent, uh, consistent mistakes. And obviously, if we and many of the times you'll see that, hey, if I just cut these mistakes out, my performance would have been a lot better. But sometimes we can be doing everything right. Just like a drawdown, right? Just like a normal drawdown during your year uh, or during your kind of you know day by day, week by week, month by month. You could be doing everything right and still underperforming. And that's the whole process over outcome type of deal, right? You, you have to judge yourself on the process. Did I do everything correctly? Yes. And that's got to be a positive. Now, I wouldn't bail off a single year, right? I wouldn't bail off a single year. We, we, we all know that during back testing, um, we've had periods of time where we've had bad years, bad months, bad weeks. If you get that two years in a row, Now, and assuming again, two years in a row and you're doing everything right. Now you're running into kind of a trend. And your job during this process, before it gets to two years, obviously, right. Is to discover what could I be doing better? And that goes back to the, the, the daily or the weekly review of your trades. And the Kaizen philosophy of continuous improvement, always trying to get better, right? How can I have sh uh, shot shooting, shoot it, shot? How can I have gone? <laughs> How can I have gone for more efficient targets? Can I reduce my risk? Can I take a more aggressive entry approach? Can I take a more conservative entry approach, right? We should always be asking the question of, of how can I improve, right? Many of you guys are asking, right? I talked about how I'm, I'm embarking. This is my, my winter month where I can do continued education, right? And I've been looking into volume a lot. And I know there are traders asking, you know, well, Akil, you're consistently profitable. Why are you looking into something new? I'm always looking to increase my edge. If I can find something that can give me the slightest edge and, and can have me improve, then I'm going to look for it. And that's the mindset that we have to have. So we don't we don't know how the year is going to end. We, we don't know. It, we, we can't necessarily say just because you have a down year that you're doing something wrong, or that your strategy is broken. Um, the thing is, we don't we don't know what the future holds. Market conditions change, right? If, you know, again, the, one of the best examples I can give you is advanced pattern formation. When I first started, I was just an advanced pattern trader. And from, you know, and you guys that have back tested, you've probably seen this, right? Results from what, early 2000s to probably 2014, 13, somewhere around there, right? Were a lot different with patterns than how they are now. They do not perform as well now as they did back in the in, in the past. Same same thing with trend continuation strategies. 
for you guys that have tested anything trend continuation, you you probably noticed that man things were rocking until what like 2011 and or 2012, 13. That's like ugh, right? So we, we never know what the future is going to hold. But I think the more skilled we are as a trader, and the more adaptive that we can be, the better chance we have of surviving. And, and that's all we're looking to do in this game is survive. But that that takes a continuous effort. <clears throat> excuse me. That takes an, a, continu a continuous effort to try and improve. And then have the confidence that, hey, whatever situation I'm put into, right, when the coach puts me in the game, whatever situation I'm put into, I'm going to find a way to succeed. And then you become better than the strategy. And you'll find that trading is more about the trader and the skill level of the trader than the skill level of the strategy. And that goes back to the earlier conversation where it's like, hey, is it the strategy or is it the person, right? Strategies will change over time. If you're relying on a single strategy, I, I wouldn't have a lot of confidence for you long term. It's the skill of the trader, the ability of the trader to adjust, adapt, right? The trader is the one that, that makes the money, not the strategy, the trader. They are the most important part of this equation. That is you. Um, Akil, what was my worst year? Are, are we, um, should, should we ignore like the blowing account years? Do those count or? Because <laughs> those, <laughs> those would be my worst year. I, I, never, I never blew an account completely, but I've, I've, well, I've hit margin call before. Um, so those years, but that, that was when I was more in a reckless state of, of trading. Um, so that, I, I, don't, I don't even know what those, you know, I don't even know what those returns would be. Um, I would say since I've been consistently profitable, high 20s, like a 28. That was below my expectation. Usually I want to see around 35%. That's what I would expect. So I had, had high 20s. I want to say 2014 maybe all these years kind of blend together i want to say 2014 that was a year where i had to make some major adjustments and maybe it was 2012 no 2014 yeah that, that, was, that was the first year i had to make some really major adjustments to my trading that was the if, if i remember correctly that was the year where kind of the volatility got sucked out of the market the market went dry and i wasn't hitting on secondary targets so my, my, it was weird. My, my win percentage was the same, but because I wasn't hitting on secondary targets, I wasn't making up for my losses at the same rate. So my win percentage was the same, but my wins weren't necessarily covering for my losses, right? Because remember, if you're taking multiple positions, you're, when you take a loss, you take a full position loss. So if you, this is, you're trading a two contract uh, position size, you take a loss, you lose on both contracts. If you, if you hit on only target one, you only win on one target or one contract. So even if your target one is further away than your stop loss, right, two is greater than one. So you need to hit those second targets at a certain rate. And that was the year where things just weren't, they just weren't going to second targets. And I, and I had to make some changes in like July, right after June, right after that second quarter. To kind of kind of save face, yeah, two thousand, yeah. George said the same to two thousand fourteen. It had to be the year, yeah. That that was the first for me. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? Uh, I never saw it before. Again, I I started trading during the high volatility periods. Two thousand fourteen was completely different, right? That whole recession thing was technically over, and and things were back. I'm like, what? 
I don't, I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like what's in it. That's, that's kind of what changed my thought process from like just being a system person to like, man, like I've got, I've got to be skilled. I've got to be adaptable. It's, it's, it's similar to, again, if you guys follow the NBA, right? Um, you see people like, you guys know Shaquille O'Neal? That name ring a bell is probably the, probably the most famous big man ever. Shaq, Shaq Diesel, right? You know what's interesting about Shaq, right? He would not fit in today's NBA. The game has passed him, right? If you guys aren't familiar, Shaq was this big seven foot something, 300 pound monster that was unstoppable. He was bigger and stronger than anyone in the post. So you 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 give him the ball down low and, and you just he's just going to dominate you, right? Big, slow, not, I mean, athletic. Obviously, everyone in the NBA is athletic, but not like athletic in, in the terms of these days. If you played him in, in this year in, in this type of NBA where it's fast-paced, it's shooting, where, you know, you have people at the center position that are hitting threes, right? So that means you got to guard him out there. Shaq wouldn't survive. His, his skill set is not useful in today's game. You hate to say it, Shaq would get cut from a team. And it's, his skill is tremendous. It just doesn't fit into today's game. So what you see these big men doing now, because they're, they're forced to it, it's a, it's a survival, survival instinct, right? These big men are learning to shoot. These centers, right? These, these seven foot monsters that just used to be close to the basket and you give them the ball and they score on you, right? They've got to learn how to shoot threes. They have to stretch the floor. And then you have your, your extraterrestrials like your Kevin Durant who are seven feet tall, acting like point guards. But if you, if you, if you don't adapt, the game's going to pass you by. You, you, you have to make those adjustments or, or you're going to be cut. That's just the way the game, is, the game has been. It's funny that the same opposite thing for the NFL. Where and I wish Drew was here. Drew was a receiver at uh, at Division One college football. He used to be a, a member of ours. Probably listening to this if this becomes a podcast. But right back in the like, if, if you can believe it, right, I was considered a short receiver. Right, I'm, I'm I was I was five ten, five ten coming out of high school. I was a I was a, a a speed guy. I was a short receiver because the passing game was different. I'd be like, ah, you know, if you're six two, that'd be good. You're a little bit small, right? Now in the NFL. It's all about the short receivers, right? It's all about these five nine guys that do all these crossing pass across the middle. That that wasn't a thing when I was playing. So at the time, my height really hurt me as far as college, just because I and I literally had you know like D one coaches say, "Hey, like you're just not tall enough." Like I'm sorry if you were like two inches taller, we give you a scholarship, but you're not. So sorry, I just wasn't tall enough to play the position. But you fast forward years later. Because the game has changed, now they're looking for those shorter receivers to do those across the, the, those short passes, those, those slants and those crosses and those digs. Now it's valued. You want that 5'9 guy. Where in the past, if you were 5'9, it's like, hey, dude, you better become a running back or you're not going to play. So it, and, and it's interesting how things change. And of course, what do you see? There, there are a lot of college running backs that maybe can't make it in the NFL as running backs and they become receivers. You get people where it's like, hey, this guy was a former running back, but he was maybe too small, like uh, weight wise. And he became a receiver and, you know, now he's shining. 
or quarterbacks as well. So it's all about you got to always adapt, man. And you never know you never you never know what the the future holds, but you got to be ready. And that's uh, to end this thing. That's what I always say when people ask, you know, why am I training? Right? I'm always in the gym, always biking, running, sprinting, doing some stuff. And I don't really have anything I'm training for. I'm just training to be ready. So if anything ever comes, I'm going to be ready. And that day could be a random challenge from someone on the street. Say, hey, let's race. All right, I'll be ready. It could be for my kids to play again. I'll be ready. Right. If you're always ready, you never have to get ready. <laughs> Where do the six foot seven guys play? Offensive line. Offensive line. You're six five, you're six seven people. They played the offensive line. He's six seven three hundos. <laughs> yeah, those those guys. Here's the thing, right? Those offensive linemen, there I learned this at a lot of uh kind of tryouts in college. Those guys are as fast as me. For for like for like twenty yards. Then you see the separation. But those guys are just as fast as me for like 20 yards. So imagine a 6'7", like 350 guy running my speed. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, and, and I'm a 4'5 guy. 4'5", 40. Which is, which is pretty quick. And I... I was up and I, there were there were there was literally a defensive lineman who ran like a four. I was a little bit faster. He ran like a four or five, and he, and I'm like, yeah, man, that's awesome. You're quick, and he's upset at himself. And that's when reality hit. I'm like, this is the guy that's going to be chasing me. In high school, I can just run away from everyone. I don't want this six five monster like running next to me. <laughs> like, no, that's not going to end well for me. I'm I'm five ten one seventy drip soaking wet. Yeah, DK. Yeah, I don't. I don't want that. I don't want that running me down. Yeah, Google search DK Metcalf rundown. You'll see exactly what I mean. I don't know. He's he's he's. Uh, I mean, you can also Google search DK Metcalf shirtless. You will you will not be disappointed. Um, you 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 may be depressed and discouraged, but it, it's uh. It's one of those things, I, I, I'll tell you this, we'll move on to the next topic. It's one of those things where I went to my wife and, and this, is, fella, this is how you know it's bad. When you go to your wife and you say, look, you got to look at this guy shirtless. She's like, what? I'm like, no, you got to look at him, babe. Look at him. Look at him. When you got to go tell your wife to look at another man shirtless, that's when, that's when you know it's magnificent. Mm. <laughs> no, it's not on my screensaver. I, I do have a kind of a, a full body printout though in my room. It's I, I put it in front of my mirror. So when I look in the mirror, it looks like me. I can envision myself, make myself feel good in the morning. <laughs> Keel, you're looking good today. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've cut out my, yeah, the head is cut out. So it's my head on top of it, posing and stuff. <laughs> Kids like, daddy, who's that? That's me. That's me. Who's that man? That's me. And of course, my wife wakes up, looks at it as well. So for, for other reasons, she comes out in a good mood. I'm like, why are you so happy? Oh, nothing, no reason. So, all right, next question. Let's go to a, we had a question on a strategy. We're going to bring up a screenshot of it. Um, and we have a trader had a question about a strategy. We're going to talk about it, maybe give some assistance. Got some assistance. 